Friday, and this for me is a power ballad of a sort. There was so much that happened in 2022, a lot of news, actually pretty negative, but a shining light came in the form of a golden television moment, and that was the series White Lotus themes of white, rich, privileged wealth. But the music was also a star, the composer Cristobal Tapia de Vere, who also did the score for Utopia, the theme so popular you hear it at dance festivals around the panel. I don't think that you mentioned White Lotus earlier, Mark Sainsbury. Yeah, love to see. I mean, I love the first series. I was you, you wonder, you know, when they do a good first series, you always wonder, can they actually, the next one going to be disappointing? But the second one was an absolute cracker, and I'm still looking forward to the. There's a third one coming. Set in Japan. It's amazing. It's mm. such an amazing show for many reasons. Uh, hard to unpack in a couple of minutes. Did you see this, Joe? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I absolutely agree with you. The music is so mm. incredible. And it adds to the atmosphere of that show, uh, you know, just exponentially. There you go. So a power ballad of a different sort there, the theme to uh, White Lotus. Uh, regarding the bad haircut, someone says, this story was so relatable. I was terrified of hairdressers for years due to an experience like this. Current long-term haircut, long hair, <laughs> no fringe. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yes, indeed. Uh, 4.37, the panel are NZ National. What to be mindful of when you're self-employed? Tax, that's what. And yes, this season is about having a break, but it's also time to start jotting down what you need to cover off with regard to tax obligations. And people are being warned that IRD is paying closer attention to what self-employed people are claiming. So with us is Robin Walker, Deloitte Tax Partner. Robin, nice to have you on the panel. Good afternoon. I thought this would be prudent for us to, you know, raise before we get into the next year. You know, it's February, March, and we really start focusing in on this. So what's happening here? IRD is focusing on the appropriateness of what expenses you claim to lower your tax bill. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is something where Inland Revenue has put out a lot of guidance over the last year or so. Uh, But the reason why we were looking at this in particular uh, more recently was Inland Revenue have started publishing sanitised versions of disputes that they've entered into taxpayers. And there was a self-employed person that had claimed deductions for travel, accommodation and meals while they were working. And the Inland Revenue determined that none of those costs were deductible. Uh, So we think that that serves as a really timely reminder for self-employed people in particular to really pay attention to the cost that they are claiming as a deduction because first of all they need to relate to earning income or running a business but they also can't be private in nature. So when you're looking at something like meals the general approach is that you need food to live. So if you're self-employed very unlikely that you'll be able to claim a deduction for any costs associated with meals, for example. Oh, this Ooh. was really surprising. And in fact, let's go to Joe Carroll McCarroll <laughs> because Joe is having a furrowed brow. Well, I was just wondering, Robin, if this is sort of part of the challenge that is raised by the fact that line between like what is work and what is home is so blurred now. You know, the, right. the way we used to work, you'd go in in the morning, you'd leave at the, you know, when the, you know, clock turned to five or whatever. And But now if you're trying to set up requirements, you know, you might go somewhere, you might do a bit of work, but you might also 
see some friends or you might have a meal with a you know with a client but you might also have your kids there you know it's it's much more blurry than it used to be that's right so the key thing is is just to think is this a business expense is there a private element and if so is any is any of it in relation to to business or is there or is it all private with the business element being too incidental um, it is possible to apportion expenses so um, if for example you were uh, tra- traveling somewhere uh, and Inland Revenue have put out a specific statement about overseas travel now that the borders reopened uh, you really need to look at what is the purpose of the travel if you're going for a family holiday and you're tacking on <laughs> a business meeting while you're there you're unlikely to be able to claim any deductions Gosh. but if you're going on a business trip for legitimate business reasons and you also tack on a holiday, then you'll be able to claim those expenses and maybe just apportion some of the the time that you're um, on holiday. Robin, say for instance, you know, someone was running like a men's health campaign. Just like, well, that's one of the things I do. <laughs> but but the idea, you know, I, I might, I'm based in Wellington, so if I travel up to Auckland for work, and I eat and drink, you know, like just what to sustain myself as opposed to having a good time because perish the thought of that is that still deductible or are they saying anything to do with food and is is is, is off the books uh, generally anything with food is is off the books and i mean that does that does feel a bit harsh Phew. um particularly if you're forced you're forced to eat out because because you're traveling yeah um but yeah that's that's sort of one of the perils of being a self-employed individual um so yeah inland review do have very detailed guidance. I think it's about it's either thirty-seven pages or fifty-seven pages. Yeah. You can add that onto your Christmas reading list. Just Google <laughs> meal expenses IRD, and you'll you'll find that <laughs> a very detailed uh, guidance. Also, if you Google overseas travel IRD, you'll find that that guidance as well. Well, you've just wrecked my Christmas, thank you. Yeah, Robert. sorry, sorry about that, listeners. <laughs> I'm going to live on fruitcake for the rest of my career. <laughs> focus on the yeah. focus on the fruitcake. But you've I, got all those stolen, yeah. Mark. They'll keep you going. I, I thought, mean, yeah. Robin, final word. Uh, just you know, think about is this a, a business expense? I mean, for example, you were just talking about haircuts. Obviously, it's important that you're well groomed, but a haircut will always be a private expense in ninety nine point nine percent of cases. So before you put that deduction in your tax return, uh, just think twice. Hey Robin, all the best. Happy New Year, uh, happy, Merry Christmas and thanks for that clarification. Um, yeah, really cool. No problem. Oh, one, can I give you one final piece of advice? Yes, please. Don't get your tax advice at barbecues. <laughs> <laughs> that is the golden tip. Thank yeah. you, Robin. Kia ora. Uh, it is uh, 4.43. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Just a very brief update. We uh, talked uh, a few days ago about a Give a Little Fund to fund at-risk youth to attend music event concerts. This is kind of tied in with the whole notion that there are real issues around youth right now. And once you leave school or if you're expelled from school fairly early, you're kind of left on your own. And a youth arts collective, Kākono, has uh, actually sort of works with these youth. Sarah, uh, Sarah, Chandler, Sarah Candler, excuse me, is with me. Kia ora, Sarah. And we had a bit of an update. I think you had uh, about just over $1,100 raised. And this is actually for, um, you know, getting these kids to concerts, right? Yes, yes. 
to and, and any sort of concert, any live music experience. Yep. And what do you have now? Um, I think um, I've actually been pottering in my garden all day, but I think we're up to about 2,400, yeah. which, is fan- which is fantastic. But as people who attend gigs will know, that won't go far. Mm. So just to remind the Farao, this is this in the, in, in the spirit of Christmas. If there is some koha that you could give to uh, at-risk youth or just yes. youth that are needing a bit of guidance and actually a bit of fun uh, in yes. the next couple of months, how do we do this? Um, you go to give a little, and you look for. Um, you'll forgive me. I'm still pottering in my garden. No. Um, um, and you look for at-risk youth attend. Uh, fun for at-risk youth to attend live music. Very good. And I, yeah, and yeah. I understand that one of your longest-running students is 17 today and has been alone in emergency housing hotel for eight months. That's right. On uh, Yes, that's right. And she knows who she is, and if she happened to be listening, um, all of our love and happy birthday. But yes, and it's um, she, she's the person who today springs to mind who will have some amazing experiences for the first time in her life because of people's kindness. Um, yeah. And it really does mean the world. Um, Kia, and Kia every, even, if, even if you've got five bucks. That's Thank great. you. Thank you for the update. Appreciate it. We'll try and get that up more. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. So that is, a, that is on Give a Little, uh, and it's fund at-risk youth to attend music events, concerts, even if you have $5, $10. Anyway, it's 15 to 5, the panel. We have Mark Sainsbury and Joe McCarroll. The story that's kept on giving this week has turned out to be the Trade Me auction for a signed copy of the transcript of Jacinda Ardern referring to Act Leader David Seymour as an arrogant prick in Parliament. We know about that one, but it quickly became the most viewed political item in Trademe's history. It's sold for over $100,000. It'll go to the Prostate Cancer Foundation. Yesterday on the panel, we spoke to David Seymour to ask how the idea came to fruition. I saw Jacinda was about five metres away, so I walked over. I said, look, I've got a proposition for you. She said, why am I nervous? I said, you probably should be, but hear me out. <laughs> And um, she she got it straight away. She agreed and she kept to it and followed through. And then um, old Julian, you're about to talk to, he put up a hundred grand for the Prostate Cancer Foundation. So it's a, it's a great victory for pricks everywhere. Yeah, and we did speak to Julian, the man who won the auction. Here's what he had to say. When I heard it, I thought, whoa, Jacinda's got a bit of steel in her. And then uh, then David come back with his. Uh, really amazing uh, response and the pair of them decided to sign the Hansard and put it up and when I saw that I thought got to be part of this and when we spoke to Julian yesterday our listener got in touch asking if we could put him in touch with Julian we did that and we have been told the panel can tell you today that a generous offer has been made we wanted to follow up and speak to Tara. Kia ora, Tara. Welcome to the panel. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you going? Good. Why did you want to get in touch with Julian? A couple of reasons. Uh, the first was I heard him, I heard, saw that man and heard he was going into a bit of stress and he's going to have to take out a bit of a mortgage and pay interest to essentially give a donation. And I thought, well, here's a man stepping up with kindness to do things, whereas Mr. Seymour's contribution is purely political, so there's a difference between what you're doing for yourself and what you're doing for others. And then I thought about what would happen if an impact like that happened in my life, and I thought, cripes, I 
see if I can give this man a little bit of help. It's just a drop in his bucket, but it's something. And that's sort of grown from there because, well, it's because of kindness, really. You know, you've heard this thing, survival of the fittest, haven't you? You heard that statement, yeah. survival of the fittest? So Oxford did a university, Oxford study at a university on, uh, sorry, Oxford University did a study on it to discover that the two greatest things to be fit are patience and kindness and not macho muscles and throwing spears. Um, they did a long study. They found that patience was necessary because the more patient hunters were the more successful. So males trained themselves to be able to sit quietly for two or three days, which is why when you get that deadly question, so what are you thinking? And you say, nothing. You, you actually usually mean it. Okay. And the, the second now, thing is kindness. Tara, uh, can I jump in and ask you what yeah. was your offer? Uh, no, I'm not going to tell you that because the offer's growing. I put in a little offer and then I rang around some friends and they, I said, if you're donating to prostate cancer, why don't you donate to this guy? And here's the thing. Julian told me not to do that. He said, if you've got other charities and things that you're working on, he said, you let them have the money and we'll just sort out the rest. Mm. So, so the offer's climbing. It's not huge, but it started at sub 1,000 and went to more than 1,000. Now I think it's probably going to go to several. And wow. it's... I'm more asking people, I've got some mates around on Boxing Day, I'm going to ask them and I'm going to ask a few others. We're actually trying to build a um, a, school, uh, a building in Nepal at the moment and Julian again came in and said, well, if you're, if you're trying to do that, you should do that. Don't worry about us, we'll muddle our way through, you know, we'll get there. And I thought, here's a truly altruistic person and when somebody stands up like that, you should help them, because well, that's what makes the world go round. Mark, this is, if there wasn't a, um, a Christmas season story, uh, then what is uh, a bunch of people getting together and trying to raise that money for this Hansard script? Yeah, look, I've got to say, I, I was interested, Tara, in what you were saying, that Julian was, was going, no, no, give it to the cause you're going to give it to rather than you know diverting into mine. I mean, he's got a pretty good heart, this guy, by the sounds of it. Astounding! He's a great guy. He should—he's really up there, you know. He's—he's he's going into—he's really putting himself out there and putting himself under stress to deliver. By the way, he paid for it today. It's all paid for. So, it's all paid for. Yep, it's paid for. Wow. He's, he's carried out his end of the bargain. Now we're just going to try and. He also told me on the phone that somebody ringing and telling him that was a really, really good Christmas present. It was the best Christmas present. Just that somebody would even bother. So, you know, reaching out to people at this time of year, that's what we do, isn't it? It is, Jo. Yeah, I agree, Tara. I mean, I think you do what you can when you can, and it's an important thing to remember. I mean, like Sarah's saying, if you've got... And, you know, I'm not saying everyone should give money because for some people that wouldn't be possible, but even a few dollars, you know, it, it does yeah. add up and it does help and it does make a difference. Tara, really appreciate you being on the panel today. Kia ora and, look, have a great season. Have a great Christmas. You have a lovely one too. Let's give something to somebody else. It, it really counts if you give something that you yourself need. That's when it really counts. Thank you, Tara. Have a nice Christmas, Wallace. Bye. Uh, it is nine to five. The panel are in their national final show uh, for the year. Now, finally, Christmas is here and with it food and uh, the kai preparation. It's a reminder they're preparing large amounts of food fairly quickly too. In some cases, with a lot of people around, 
It's not without its risks. And then there are the leftovers. Basic food safety and hygiene becomes an issue. Food can make you extremely ill. From the dangers of wooden chopping boards to the five-second rule and such like. With us is celebrated chef, fishmonger Martin Bosley, also a panellist on occasion. Kia ora, Martin. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I'm, I, I'm, I can't resist myself. I can't resist it. <laughs> Are you a fan of fruitcake? I love fruitcake. Oh, okay. I love it. Where are, we at? Well, what's, where are we at on the fruitcake? Is there a debate about this? Come on. <laughs> Wallace has upset the entire nation. <laughs> Let, I'll just, yeah. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link. Let's start <laughs> with the... I'm, going, I'm not sure we can be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it with you on the cell phone. Um, <laughs> It's complicated. Let's start with the chopping board. Always yes. good to start with a nice, clean, washed and dried chopping board. Totally, and preferably wood over plastic. Really? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Go wood every time. Way healthier. Plastic gets those cuts and those grooves in it, and that's where bacteria loves to sit. I didn't know. And, uh, and those plastic boards, they never fully get dry, so they're always slightly damp. You put them away. People put them in dark cupboards, where it's usually next to the stove somewhere, so it's warm. So bacteria love that stuff. Oh, my gosh. Wood, Give it a scrub, let it dries easily, and also wood has got a natural antiseptic in it as well. And the bacteria tends not to live in the groove. So wood is a way healthier board to use. You're kind of blowing our minds, Joe's, Joe. Joe, yeah. your mind's blowing. My mind is 100% blown. The one, 100% blown. Oh. The, the food tip um, that I was actually blindsided by, and that I challenge, even though I have literally no expertise in food safety, is that it's not okay to eat the raw cookie dough or batter. That's what I thought. Which I thought. doing today with the Christmas cake. <laughs> no. I'm here. Yeah, no, raw, raw dough, bad. Uh, Martin, flour, I've done it my whole life. I, yeah. I, I don't, I just can't believe oh. that is bad for you. Is that because flour can have, raw flour can have salmonella? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it can. It can. It, you know, old flour as well, especially can harbour bugs and germs in it. So God. your flour should always be fresh. It can go stale and go bitter and, you know, sort of go slightly rancid. And so, no, not good. Never eat the raw cookie dough. We all love to do it. Eat the, eat this, but it's, um, it's actually not good for you. Martin, wow. growing up, licking the bowls, the great oh, treat, you yeah, know? Well, you hey, see? I, grow, I, I look at a bowl licker from way back. There's the quote of the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grew up. Next, year, yeah, no, licking the bowl, but I mean, and we all do it. But we, yep. we, somehow we've all survived. But um, maybe it's cause, maybe it's because our food is processed so much more these days. I don't know that the chances for it making you sicker are actually probably better. I don't know. You're a food man from way back, Mark. What questions, com- oh. comments do you have? Mark Sainsbury. Yeah, oh, look, I, that was the one, I mean, the licking the bowl. I mean, is, is, was, it was just, again, we're just talking about memories. I'm thinking of my mother again now, Wallace, but that mm. was the great the great treat. Six boys in our family, so getting to the beater in the bowl first was always a major undertaking. Right. Uh, but the same with wood, because we kept getting told, oh, no, those wooden boards are terrible, nasty things that harbour bacteria. You've got to eat these lovely, clean plastic mm. stuff. And we're wrong. Wrong. I mean, I think commercially... Mark, one of, one of the worst decisions that as, you know, within, the, um, within kitchens, commercial kitchens, was when they came to us years ago and said, all your wooden boards have got to go, you've got to use these plastic ones, all colour-coded yep. for different meats, vegetables, fish, etc. And we went, that's never going to work because that's just not how kitchens kind of operate. But also we all knew that actually the wood is the better way to go. So we all kept the wooden boards going and just said, look, that's what we And also way more forgiving on your knives. Well, those plastic boards are death to, you know, you buy these beautiful knives. Mm. I mean, I've seen people use those glass chopping boards. I'm like, why would you do that? This is going to kill your knives, you know? And dangerous because, like, things slip on glass. Wood's kind of got a 
you know, it's got a far more textual quality to it that also, in a kitchen safety point of view, mm. your food tends to stick to it a little bit more as well. Rather no, the, than hey, Martin, can I just hit you up for a quick bit of while you're talking about knives? We were talking about this mm. the other day. I can remember, again, as a kid, someone used Hello. to come around sharpening knives. You know, there'd be yep. a guy in a van and whatever. Yes. And someone said to me the other day, where do I go to get my knives sharpened? I, I'm not, I'm not, okay, probably, thanks. No, I can hear myself probably, in my ears for some reason. No oh, sorry, someone's just jumping in there. Oh, oh sorry. Keep going, uh, Martin. Yeah, I, I know that in Auckland and Wellington, there's a couple of places like uh, House of Knives. Uh, mm. they, they do it. You can take them in. I think there's other knife shops in other areas as well. Uh, except, you know, but I tell you who does knife sharpening. It's, about, it's those mint sheets. Oh, you know those guys in the media yeah, 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 yeah. themselves up. Yeah, a lot of those, a lot of those guys here will do will do nice okay. Now, by well. the way, a bit of response regarding um, um, the, the the wooden or versus plastic oh, chopping go. boards. Are, are you for real? Actually, Martin Bozzi is very much correct. Uh, endorsed by the New Zealand Food Safety Deputy Director General Vincent Arbuckle, who said uh, exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, can I also ask, because lots of people will be eating chicken as well, oh. what other reminders here, Martin Bosley? Chicken, you've got to cook it to about 71 degrees internal temperature, so if you can, invest in a uh, you know, food thermometer temperature probe. Because people always freak out about pink juices from chicken going, that's the blood. It's not the blood, it's just the juices being pink. Chickens are bled when they're processed, and chickens in New Zealand are already washed as well, so you don't need to rewash them. People say you should wash it in the sink before cooking it, don't do that because that's more likely to spread bacteria and germs around your kitchen as well. Gosh. Just take it out of the packet and pat it dry with some absorbent, absorbent kitchen paper <coughs> and then throw that paper in the bin straight away. And Martin, uh, we're and coming, uh, like we've got Christmas and then post-Christmas mm. it's like peak leftovers. What about mm. leftovers? Yeah. Oh, you got to be careful. Like, I mean, that's like I grew up with, with, with a ham that stayed on the kitchen table for <laughs> four or five days, you know, and you just sort of cut, and it got sort of sweatier and smellier as the days oh, went on. Oh, gosh. But because it, cause it was too big to fit in the fridge, but that's what a handbag was for, apparently. Oh, um, but um, no, you shouldn't. I mean, heat, heat, them, heat them once, and then that's uh, throw them away after that. Um, and again, make sure they get up to a, a reasonable temperature you're gonna, if, if they do need reheating. Um, but don't keep taking things in and out of the fridge because, again, that's, you know, as we, we hate it. The problem is we all cook too much food at Christmas. Yes, mm. that's it. Which is why we have all these leftovers, you know. That's it, Martin. I could talk to you forever. You're oh, a legend. Kia Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, Merry Kia Have a to you too, Wallace. And to my wonderful producer, Sam, to Joe McCarroll, to Mark Sainsbury, to you across the Motu, have a happy holidays. I've loved being with you this year and I'm back next year from January the 16th. See you then. Checkpoint next.